Our message today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Hear these words. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do you doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he has said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, and that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that in repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. You are witness of these things. This is the word of the God for people of God. Thanks, Chris, for bringing us the gospel from Luke today. Did you all know that we are still in Easter? It's kind of weird, right? Like growing up, I thought it was like a day. It's a season. And this is a good news that we get to celebrate and sit with these stories. Um, and it's for 50 days, which seems a bit long to me, if I'm being honest. Uh, for shorter holidays, is more my thing. But this goes all the way to Pentecost, and so we'll be sitting with some of these stories for some time. And for a holiday that's supposedly built around the resurrection of God and new life and victory over death and Easter candy, uh, we get very, very little of that in these uh, Easter stories that we are sitting with. There's little detail uh, from these resurrection stories, and sometimes I wish they were longer, don't you? Just me? Am I the only one? Sometimes I wish the dialogue was better recorded. I wish they had like a tape recorder in the room because I'm sure they had other questions that just didn't make the director's cut somehow, or I don't know. I wish it was a fuller discussion about all the juicy tidbits and questions that you've been wrestling with, and Jesus would answer them, and they'd be there, and it would be good. Uh, But let's stop for a moment and say the fact that we have resurrection stories is a touch crazy. It's something that we uh, encounter in the Gospels, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle with uh, believing them kind of whole cloth. They're they're, uh, very supernatural at times. They're kind of strange and weird, and Jesus does some interesting things like appear in rooms or um, he looks different. They don't quite recognize him. They're just... Interesting stories for me. I wonder if they are for you. So this story that we heard today uh, should sound super familiar. It's not exactly the same story we heard last week, but it's like Mark's version or John's version, right? They're sort of similar, right? Remember last week we heard about Jesus appearing in a locked room and the disciples were there and they believe but don't believe and Thomas is like, I won't believe unless you're familiar with the story. This one is like, Jesus appears to the disciples, and they're like, afraid again. And Jesus says, 
peace. He's got the hand thing going on. So this one's fun because he's, you know, hungry. And so he's like, you got anything to eat. And so they engage in some food and some witty banter. And then um, the Gospel of Luke is done. <laughs> this is it. This is the end. This is the last story. And Jesus like tells them like, go and uh, that's it. And then Luke ends the gospel. So it's a very familiar story. And there are these sort of um, accounts of that Jesus appears to these people after he uh, resurrects from the grave. And there, uh, the way it works in Luke is that the women find the tomb empty, but there's no appearance. Uh, that's John's gospel. In Luke, Jesus first appears uh, to Peter. And then the second appearance is to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And then there's this appearance to the 11, right? Because Judas isn't there. And then the next few verses talk about how Jesus is going to leave them and they worship him at the temple, praising God. And that's the end of the story. So let's pause for a moment and just remember that when we encounter these resurrection stories, we should identify kind of where they're coming from in the Bible. And there are four gospels we will remember. This one is from Luke. And there are other sort of resurrection narratives in the other gospels. And Luke has his own unique spin on things because he's an author and he wants to kind of put things in order in a particular way. So I think that all these resurrection stories are interesting, and this one in particular um, is also has its own merits. They're kind of unique, and uh, if I'm being really honest, I don't quite know what to do with them. Um, I, I sort of read them and I go, okay, Jesus appeared, but so what? Like, what, what, do, I, what do I do about it? How can I live this out? What does it mean for me in my life? What does it mean for m- me understanding more about God? What does it mean for my faith journey? What does it mean for us as a church? I'm not entirely sure what to do with them most of the time. And as I sit with that, I hope you'll wrestle with me today as we say, okay, so Jesus appeared to these disciples, but like, so what? How can I wrestle with this? What's, it, what's the takeaway? I think there's a lot to sit with. A lot of people will take these stories about Jesus appearing to um, all these people and say, look, this is evidence that Jesus really rose from the grave. And that's called apologetics. And uh, I'm not here to do that today. I don't think that's a very compelling um, thing we can take away from the story. And so as we sit with this story, I think there's something far more interesting that we can understand about it. I think the largest takeaway from all these resurrection appearances is fear, doubt, and food. <laughs> Fear, doubt, and Taco Bell, really. It should be like the name of the sermon. I think that's kind of like the gist of the takeaway of Jesus appearing to his disciples. There just aren't a whole lot of answers in these texts. Um, there's vague sayings like, he opened their minds to the text, or he showed them that his words and the words of the prophets had been fulfilled. That's it. There's not a whole lot of answers to the questions that we get that Jesus is probably asking. Um, and I don't know, it's just a weird discussion. Because if we think about this for a moment, most of life's big religions seeks to answer some major questions. What's real? Where are we going as people? Are we getting morally better or morally worse? What happens to life after death? And you think Jesus would be particularly uh, suited to answer this question because he just died and now he's like back from the grave. And you would think that the gospel writer would record the answer, but they don't. There's just the disciples having this doubt and fear and Jesus sort of just sitting with them in their doubt and fear. And then they just eat some fish. And that's the story. 
And that's interesting, I think, because if you're like me, I really want a cute, finished, systematized theory of belief. And quite frankly, I don't get that. I don't get that in this story, and if I'm really honest, I don't get that in the entire whole of the Bible. It doesn't give me this cute little system of belief, this, this theory for understanding God. It, it doesn't. It's this collection of stories, and it tells me things about God, and it reveals things about myself. I get these stories of Jesus appearing to the disciples, and they are really, really terrified. And in the story, Jesus is really concerned primarily with eating, it seems like. So the truth of the matter is that when we encounter Christianity, we generally do two things in our religion. And I think we do two things with this story. Most people, they want to know Jesus at a distance. They want to kind of study the Bible and say, well, Josh, just tell me what the Bible says. And I'm here to tell you that if you just want to know what the Bible says, that doesn't lead you to a life-changing encounter with the resurrected Christ. Because when you really read the Gospels, they invite you into this conversation with God. And when you encounter Jesus through a conversation, it begins to change who you are. And so this is not some sort of like fact sheet of Jesus resurrecting here and doing these things. And it's not that. Most people try and know Jesus at a distance. The second thing that people like to do is they like to, to moralize the story. They like to say, well, what's the great kind of moral tale here? As if Jesus is somehow telling Aesop's fables and he's like the narrator. But that's also not the point of this story at all. When we encounter Jesus in this text, and when we encounter Jesus in all the other texts, he's up in everyone's business, and we want answers. And instead, Jesus just gives us presents, not like gifts, <laughs> but being present, right? He gives us his physical presence, he gives us stories, and he gives us meals. Presents, stories, and meals. Presence, stories, and meals. In verse 45, Jesus teaches them the scriptures and they understand what he's saying. He shares a meal with them. He is present with them in the midst of their questions and doubts. And in verse 44, he shares the stories of their faith. He shares the Psalms. He shares the law of Moses. It's presence. It's stories. And it's faith. It's presence. It's stories. And it's faith. Friends, this is the framework for ministry. This is the framework for how we do church. There's a great uh, old Episcopalian priest who says, you can't even get started in church without bread, wine, and a river. It's this deeply physical thing. It involves so much physicality when we often like to spiritualize it or make it a philosophy or some rationale of belief. But it's not. When Jesus is with his disciples, it's presence and it's stories and it's meals. When he appears to everyone after he's um, resurrected from the grave, it's presence, it's stories, and it's meals. Perhaps this can be the framework for us here at Chapelwood. As you think about maybe what the future holds, I'm thinking about this, as you all know that I'm taking a different appointment, and I'm thinking about how do we do church after COVID? What does that look like? Maybe some of our old models need to die away and we need to think about how we do ministry anew and afresh in a new world. And may I suggest that we take a page from Jesus and it's presence and stories and meals. You don't know how to start a, 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 you know, a new ministry on the community. Maybe it should just be your presence, the stories of your faith, and bringing a covered dish. <laughs> 
You don't know what to do with that new mom and new dad who are you know, becoming parents for the first time. May I suggest that it's your presence, it's stories and meals. You don't know how to be a grandparent. You're just kind of learning this thing out, right? You, you, your kids have grown up and they announce that they're pregnant. They're coming home with their maybe first or second kid and you're like, I don't know how to be a grandpa yet. I don't know how to be a grandpa. May I suggest presence and stories and meals. Or when your friend gets that diagnosis and they die in the hospital and you don't know how to be with their spouse anymore in that space because it's weird and it's strange and everything that they've loved for 30 years is now dead and you don't know how to grieve with them, may I suggest you take a page from Jesus' playbook. It's presence, it's stories, and it's meals. I think what we're seeing in these resurrection narratives is Jesus doing ministry And Luke is trying to show us, look what Jesus does when the disciples have questions, doubts, fears, and anxieties. He comes alongside them with presents, stories, and meals. And then Luke ends his gospel. And those of you who are really good Bible students know that it doesn't end there, because Luke picks up the pen again, and he writes the book of Acts, called the Acts of the Apostles, which is the beginning of the church. And most of the time, these disciples are just found eating together, preaching and sharing stories, and being with people. It's like, that's what the church should do. And so I'm, I'm wondering what it looks like for us. I'm wondering what it looks like for those of you who are watching online. I'm wondering what it looks like for uh, Methodism as a whole. I'm wondering what it looks like for the church as we engage not only each other, but our community here in Lake Jackson, And as we engage the world, as we are entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ, what if we just did what Jesus did? If we were present with people and their suffering and their questions and their doubts and their, uh, I don't knows, and their, but what about, and can you please help? What if we were just present with them? And what if we just shared the stories of our faith? like Jesus does? What if we just tell them about the people who wandered in the wilderness and were led by God? What if we just told them about the, these everyday people who were called by Jesus to come and feed people and heal people and clothe people? What if we just told them the stories of our faith? And what if we just broke bread together? What if we just broke bread together? I know in a post-COVID world, breaking bread together might mean something different to actually share a meal together once again. I had a great mentor and undergraduate who said, if you ever have a parishioner who's really angry with you, you should just go out to lunch with them. He said, it's so hard to be angry with someone that you've broken bread with. And I think that's really good advice, one. And it's just a super good way that we connect as people. It's a way that Jesus connects with his disciples in all these stories, in particular Luke. Jesus says, Hey man, I'm hungry. Do you have any food? And the disciples are like, yes, <laughs> sure, absolutely. And they engage with Jesus' presence, his stories, and a meal. Friends, what might this place look like if we took a page from Jesus' playbook and we engaged each other and our community and the world with presence, the stories of our faith, and meals together.
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.